0: what's up what's up what's up we are back for another week of in the huddle got dr eric wide receiver one miles we're gonna talk about some new hires for the vikings and uh by the way there's a roll-in it's shorter than the old roll-in if you're watching this later on just skip ahead two minutes you don't need to leave nasty comments for producer dave all right we'll catch you on the flip side
1: huddle around as climbing the pocket network presents Jason and the boys talking everything Minnesota Vikings All, I'm all right nervous
0: about that <laughs> What up what up what up <laughs> we are back we are live it is in the huddle what's up Joseph Vikings Jerome how you doing Tyler thanks for coming out Clifford, Lauren, Dan, let's go. So the Vikings, it seems, maybe, have a new hire. But Eric, you know, maybe you're here. And before we jump all the way into it, I just, you know, viewers, I'm sorry. But, like, these sessions are also just kind of an opportunity for us to get together as the boys, talk about this. If you're new to the show, Eric, you know, born and bred, Minnesota boy. Vikings fan, but has also somewhat adopted the Chiefs as like his his AFC squad, his other team. And so I just got to ask you, Eric, greatest game of all time. How you feeling as, as someone who also is is very tightly invested in what's going on with uh with, with the Chiefs?
1: Yeah, the Chiefs. I mean, if anybody wants to see my reaction, I mean, we did a live watch along on PFF's YouTube channel where uh, Ben Brown and I bet uh, live. We had a few guests, um, and you got to see me sort of walk through my feelings at the end of that game uh, live, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to the AFC Championship game Sunday. Both times I've seen the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, they they played a game like that. Two years ago, they were down 24-0 to Houston, came back and won, and then I got to go after that, and then obviously this game where they were basically left for dead. So a lot of fun, um, and obviously – You know, the Chiefs are not independent of what the Vikings are doing right now, given that uh, their executive director of player personnel was their number one choice for general manager uh, before he uh, decided to go to Chicago instead. So uh, there's certainly a a connection there that'll that'll be fun to sort of think about, uh, you know, as we move forward. All
0: right, well, we'll circle back on that in just a bit. Miles, my man, how you doing? How you been? The colors look, I mean, almost, but I mean, we know you're not a, we know you're not a Chiefs guy. Vikings all the way through and through. How you feeling, man?
2: Oh, I guess this could get like mistaken for like bears too. No, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm chilling. Word. A little nervous? Eric, you know. that's know. That's
0: how it goes. We'll take it. We'll take some nerves. Eric, you, uh, you, you gave us a little teaser there. Uh. Talk to us a bit about this, this Viking search, because we've heard a lot of names. We heard that it was narrowed down. We've heard competing reports now. Kwesi's the guy. Poles was the guy. Obviously, as you just mentioned, Poles is a connection to the Chiefs. He's kind of the traditional football guy, scouting background. In many ways... Uh, I mean, different lineage, but, like, similar in terms of, of, of approach to maybe how Rick would have approached things. Scouting guy, build up the scouting apparatus. And then you had the other side where you had Questy, who was seen as more of the analytics guy, uh, you know, came from a very different sort of background. Um, you're hearing, uh, you know, that that Poles was the guy, that they kind of wanted to keep things maybe going that way. Others are telling us that Questy was the guy. I guess, can you just kind of share with everyone watching What's happened to date in the Vikings GM search? And, like, what's going on right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact is, is Poles had – he had, um, you know, other options. You know, he interviewed for the Giants job. Uh, he did really well. Um, I think he's – you know, in my interactions with him because he – you know, he worked in player personnel, and we sell a lot of information to player personnel. We also work with agencies that, you know – are the agents for guys like Ryan Poles, you know, like, so we, we sort of know, you know, and, and uh, he was somebody who, you know, was very, I would say very curious about analytics. He was very, um, you know, he's a very good talent evaluator. Um, you know, I tweeted out uh, something about the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line and how they were the most efficient offensive line this year in terms of turning salary cap dollars into wins above replacement. And somebody within the league text messaged me and said, that's a Ryan Poles tweet. Um, and so there, there's no doubt in my mind that's why the Vikings wanted him because the Vikings have had one player play one Pro Bowl on the offensive line since 2009. You know, so so that was certainly something where they were probably looking to him as somebody who could revive that part of the team. Um, but there was there were competing factors, right? There are, there are aspects of, you know, still paying Zimmer, still paying Spielman, um, having a guy be a first-year general manager candidate. And I think the Vikings thought that they were going to get away with offering Polls something that no one else was going to offer him. And to Ryan Poles' credit, the Bears offered him more. And, you know, so he took that job. And I think the Bears got a, a fairly good candidate there. Now, it sounds like is the is the preferred choice for the Vikings right now. Um, and from what I know about Kwesi, you know, I've had lunch with him. I've you know, hung out with him, talked to him a little bit. And he's a very smart guy. He has a, a background that I think would intimidate a lot of people, uh, an Ivy League athlete, an Ivy League you know, mind, a guy who's been in, in hedge funds before, um, a, a guy who he was with the San Francisco 49ers when they made the Super Bowl. Um, and then he goes to Cleveland and they have a winning season. And win a playoff game for the first time in, in like two decades. So he's got a, certainly got a great background, um, analytical background. Uh, so hopefully, you know, for the Vikings' sake, they're able to secure his, uh, you know, secure him uh, because right as of right now, it doesn't sound like they've they've been able to secure a, a contract uh, with Quesi. Um, so uh, that that that's you know, it's in par- it, It's sort of in in flux right now. But I think the Vikings, at least to their credit, the the two finalists that they had. I think are two men that are, are more than qualified for the job.
0: So Miles, you uh you tweeted out earlier on the like the polls news, like, yo, know, maybe this is a bidding war situation. Given what Eric's saying, I guess, like what what do you think the situation is now? Like, yeah, the Wolf's pockets have been hit pretty hard this off season. Like, what do you think's going on and do you think there's any possible way that uh that, that, that you know Quasi's not the
2: guy when this is all said and done? <laughs> Yeah, I, I said it was a bidding war because I think to what Eric's credit, Eric, Eric was talking about is, and we, we've heard the Wils even talk about this in the last couple um, of their press conferences and and, um, and and video video conferences. Is they they understand that at least in their heads this is a, a coveted position, right? They I, and maybe they overplayed their hand with that when they were when they were negotiating with people like Brian Poles. Is maybe they overplayed the idea that this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. Don't let the money like be the problem and Ryan Poles was maybe he was like I'm not you know no (laughs) in money talks in that in that case so I'm I'm really curious if that if that was part of the situation is the wills playing up the fact that they understand that they're this is a good opportunity for anybody it is like we, we understand it's an attractive position but at the same time but at the same time you can only play that up so much like the fancy the fancy cool shit it only gets you so far what are you actually going to pay me though to do the job? And what, 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 control do I get of the roster of the decision-making like that stuff matters to a GM. Ooh. So uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. That stuff matters to a GM. Oh. So um, really not sure what's going on with, uh, with that situation. So that clearly didn't work with polls. Um, with Quezzy, it sounds like maybe they tried to do a similar thing with him because he doesn't have the same opportunities with another, um, with another team that, uh, that polls does. So that's kind of what it feels like is they might have to outbid themselves at this point, because if Quesi isn't willing to take a low ball offer, then they're going to look really stupid and embarrassed if they can't get a deal, deal done with what sounds like their second choice. And call Rick yeah. back up. And I, <laughs>
1: I'm i hearing, I'm hearing conflicting reports about that. Obviously he, he so far does not have a deal despite the fact that that's, you know, like, if you want to look at this, and believe me, I've spent the last few years looking at things from the perspective that the Vikings don't know what they're doing. If you want to look at this as if they don't know what they're doing, they basically what they 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 were they were negotiating with Polls, right? And Polls had other options. They kept a secondary candidate who didn't have other options, right? Like Quay Adolfo Mensa does not have options for other teams. And so they they sort of maybe took him for granted while messing around with Ryan Poles and, you know, got their, you know, got their spurs handed to them a little bit. And, and now, you know, because the, the thing is, and, and I talk to a lot of, you know, I have friends in the league who have interviewed for GM jobs. I'm, you know, and sometimes, you know, there are some instances where somebody will say, I'm going to turn down a job because it's going to make me look better than accepting a job to somebody else. And, like, look, like, Kweisi's been a guy, like, he doesn't really have to be in that big of a hurry. I mean, there are a little, like, conflicting reports about his age, but he's probably in his mid-30s. And he's got an Ivy League background. He's worked for hedge funds. And, you know, he, this is only his second year in what is a very good job with the Browns. Like, he doesn't have to be desperate. Like, this isn't a 55-year-old guy looking for this the, his last chance at the at the plate here. So, like... I think maybe the Vikings misread this a little bit in that way. That being said, like when we're done with this, he could have already signed a deal. So, like, I think that's the gamut, the, the space of possibilities here. Um, if the Vikings looked at it and said, look, Poles is a great candidate, Adolfo Menz is a great candidate, and um, essentially, you know, either way, we're going to get a good candidate. So let's not budge on money for Poles. Then, okay, they have to be right, though. Cause if they go back in and have to re, you know, re go back into the pool and re interview people, it's going to look like, it's going to look like shit. Right. So that, that to me is, is the gamble that they're taking.
0: So miles uh, as Quasi started to come up and like polls was, was kind of being talked about. Obviously the next thing we started talking about is like, who are the people that they're connected to? Who might they bring in? What's exciting? What are we thinking might happen? So with where we're at right now and what you've read, what you've seen, um, what are you expecting to be potentially some of the head coaching candidates? And which of the candidates that are out there that are linked to to Kwayzee make you the most excited?
2: Yeah, I'm. The hard part is I, I know we all have this this hope that it, uh, not everybody, and I've kind of come come full circle on this, but we all want this. I know a lot of people want offensive offensive minded head coach. And I understand that process because I think under Zim, we saw so much turnover on offensive coordinator. And I think we all know how important offense and quarterback is, um, and, and that continuity. And so I can, I a hundred percent understand having a head coach in place that can keep some of that continuity, whether it's if, if they extend Kirk cousins, whatever they do with Kirk cousins, or if they go after a young quarterback, whatever the plan is, at least the hope would be that there's continuity long-term because your head coach has that, um, but at the same time, we've talked, Jason, and, and I know a lot of people within the um, Climb in the Pocket group chat, it's about the leadership aspect of it. That, like, I think we get this idea that a head coach has to be a coordinator, like a pseudo coordinator as well. Like, they have to call plays. A head coach doesn't have to call plays. A head coach has to be the CEO and be responsible for the team. And so, not every head coach has to come in and call plays. So, I think you can still build an infrastructure with a really good defensive candidate. Like, so we talked about, um, uh, D'Amico Ryans, I think he's an ideal candidate right now. He's got a relationship currently with Quezzi. Um He's, uh, he killed it against the Packers on, on Saturday night. Um, I think, you know, we'll see how they do on Sunday, or yeah, on Sunday in the NFC Championship game, but replacing a, a really talented defensive coordinator last year in Robert Sala, um, he's done a really good job stepping in in that role and um, and calling some really good plays and good, and good schemes and those things, so, and it sounds like he's got that personality fit as well, so um, he could be a really good fit, Raheem Morris for the Rams. Um, he's been a little bit of everything in the NFL, which I think is a, which is awesome. I think he's he's coached offense, he's coached um, passing game, he's obviously coached DBs and and a bit, been a defensive coordinator as well. So I think that mix as a as an entire like bag as a head coach is awesome because he's seen the perspectives from both sides and understood what that looks like and and everything we've heard about Raheem Morris is. Um, as a coach and as a person is, has been all positive. So those are probably right now my top two. And then I think you look at like a Kevin O'Connell from uh, – is it Kevin? Is that his name? Uh, from the Packers? The, yeah. Their offensive coordinator – for, I forgot his first name. Um, but um, the Rams. For the – oh, yeah, the Rams. Yeah, the Rams, my bad. Um, they're obviously in the NFC Championship game too. And um, I want to know how much of a – like we, we always talked with, with Mike Zimmer and his de- defensive coaches is like how much help did they actually have same question you kind of have with O'Connell here with the Rams is like how much influence and help did he have with a Stafford in this overall offense? It, those would be questions that any GM or, you know, ownership and, and brass would be looking at to, to get answered.
0: Yeah. So Eric, like that's something that we've talked about before, like the continuity and how important it is um, on offense, because like your quarterback is such an important part of things. and, Yeah, it seems that the Vikings thus far have brought in, uh, more defensive guys than, than offensive guys. And so I know it's something that we've talked about. I'm curious. I don't know if this is like something we've never really like talked about in terms of like the numbers, but like, is that something that bears out in like a material sort of way in, in like quarterback performance? If their coordinator changes from, from season to season, is it something that like we're saying is ideal, but like, are we overblowing it at all? thinking that, you know, if they do go someone whose background is defense, that it's going to, you know, sink the ship for the Vikings for the foreseeable future or something like that?
1: I think it depends, right? Like, I've, I've, you know, there was an article I wrote about Justin Herbert, which basically was saying, you know, guys who, young quarterbacks who have to switch offensive coordinators tend to struggle. Um, And, you know, you even saw that a little bit, like Herbert didn't struggle, but that offense struggled with a new coordinator in Joe Lombardi this year um, to the point where they didn't make the playoffs, even though they probably should have, Um, you know, I I think it, I think it's well illustrated with even the Vikings with Zimmer. If you're a five and 10 team, like the Vikings were, you you know, the 2013 Vikings were a ways away from competing. Um, Zimmer was the right person, right? Zimmer elevated the defense to a winnable level He sort of got the quarterback in place in Teddy, and they were a playoff team, but probably not a Super Bowl contender relatively quickly. And then the question becomes, after that, how do you approach it, right? Because, you know, then you have to think about, okay, if the offensive coordinator is good enough to get you into that Super Bowl caliber range, then he's probably gone. And then, you know, if your quarterback's kind of in that Kirk, Teddy, Alex Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo area, then they're going to struggle more as you cycle through offensive coordinators so like this sounds really bad and sort of inhumane but like uh, it to me i think you have to you have to sign these defensive coaches to get you out of being bad and then oftentimes you need the offensive genius to get you over the hump into the super bowl and i think there's no better sort of description than that than like when dungy took tampa bay from like you know losing 10 or more games every year for 20 years got them Right up to the cusp, and then John Gruden got them over the hump to win it. Now, Junji took over a Bucks, or uh, sorry, an Indy team that won the Super Bowl, but of course, they had Peyton Manning, so there, there's a little bit of, of issues here. The Vikings don't have a Peyton Manning, they're also not bad, right? Like, I, I, I the Vikings are not a 5 and 11 team, right? They're a 7 and 9 team, an 8 and 9 team, so like, I wonder. It depends upon what the Vikings think of themselves, right? If the Vikings think they're a ways away from really competing, then I think a defensive coach is probably fine, Um, especially if they get rid of Cousins. Because if they get rid of Cousins, there's going to be a year or two of kind of learning, kind of you know building the team back up to being competitive again. If that's the case, a defensive-minded coach to me is perfectly fine. Um, If they think that Cousins is their franchise quarterback, a defensive-minded coach will be a disaster, in my opinion.
0: So Eric, on uh, on that thread, you know we we've seen the memes already that uh, you know Quasi's coming in. Analytic background, we're about to hit Moneyball with the Vikings, and it's going to be you know process and all these cool things. A lot of nerdy words being thrown around that make you know traditional football guys maybe a little bit upset about things. Uh, what does Moneyball in the context of the NFL even look like? Because we hear a lot of things thrown around when people talk about using your like using analytics towards like building a team. And so I'm curious from your perspective, you obviously, you know, you know, work at PFF, uh, you know, you know quite a bit about the game, but you also approach things from the, the data driven side of things. And so if we were to think about the Vikings building a team, putting data at the forefront of what they were doing, like what's that even look like?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's one of those where an analytics person sort of knows maybe their limitations a little bit more than an evaluator. Right. So like Kwasi is not going to be building mathematical models in Python and using them to make decisions as a general manager like his, you know, his Python coding days are over if he becomes a general manager. Uh, You know, the same way that my pal George Shahuri, who now like runs all of consumer for PFF, he hasn't coded a line of code in two years just because he's a, a decision maker for PFF now and not an analyst. That that's kind of how it's gonna be, right? Like he he's going to have to employ people who are part of the evaluation process, and he's gonna to have to be the one who weighs the individual this the individual evaluations to make a decision. And I think the worry when you hire a scout, now I think Brian Poles would have been different because he had already emerged into a sort of an executive director position where he was already doing a lot of this. But the hard part, and when you talk to, you know, when I, I help consult for ex general managers as they try to sort of like think about what the next step in their career is, the biggest, like, the biggest uh, either faux pas I see with them or regret that I see with them is they eval- have they made their own evaluation too much, right? And I think that that is inherently wasteful. If you're going to employ a hundred scouts and then you know a uh, hundred, you know ten of their bosses and then three of those guys bosses and then all that and an analytics department possibly, and then you're just going to make the decision you were always going to make to begin with, then that's an inherently wasteful process. I think an analytics guy like Cuasio Dofamens is not—he's going to fall for doing that probably way less often than like a sort of a traditional scout type, and so I think that that's a positive now. If somebody like Ryan Poles, and I think there are a lot of indications he's going to be this way for Chicago, knows that that's a faux pas, right? Then he might even be better because he has that sort of understanding of the difference between a decision maker and an evaluator, and he's also a pretty good evaluator. So he could hire people beneath him who have maybe a better skill set than maybe Quaysey could hire, right? So like, there's a there's sort of the two differences between those guys that I think could manifest itself. But I think insofar as Quacey's, you know, possible role with the Vikings, it's going to be, I mean, for him, it's just empowering people beneath him who are really good at their jobs. And those are going to be scout types. There's going to be analytics types. Those are going to be coaching types. And uh, you know, I think um, you know, that that's a huge deal. Now, David asked a good question here. I mean, analytics is used all over the place. It's used in in-game decision-making. Uh, so fourth down decisions, two-point conversion decisions, decisions for Buffalo not to kick the ball out of the end zone in the final moments of that game. Um, It's also used in free agency. So in the pro pro player evaluation process uh, to find value in free agency, it's also used in the draft, as you said. Um, And it's also weirdly used And I, and I don't necessarily know it depends upon the squad as to whether or not this is separate, but it's also used in things like ticketing and and marketing and stuff like that. Like the the, analytics, uh, you know, to sort of, Make sure that they're giving the fans the best product. So, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, a good good there. Um, somebody said you lost me at Cleveland Browns. Um, in the in the chat, Cleveland Browns. I don't know, man. I think they've overcome a lot. So, you know, plus they cut cousins away. Little, well, they have a little Humpty Dumpty at quarterback, and they can still make the playoffs and win a game. So, I feel like. Uh, I feel like they're, they're, they're better than people, uh, believe so. You know, Miles,
0: as you're hearing all that and you're like, you know, obviously, you know, there's the movie and all of that, I guess, what's your interpretation of like, you know, like Moneyball and like how that potentially would be applied to the Vikings or maybe how are you hoping to see things applied to, to the Vikings that maybe are different than, than, uh, than like the way Rick would have done it. I know that we joke a lot, but like when Rick was here, you pretty much knew as soon as the season was over, like what the first round pick was going to be. Cause it was like whatever unit's the worst on the team, like that's yeah. probably what we're going to yeah. go and pick in the first round of the draft. So, like, as you're looking at this now, maybe, you know, someone coming in and looking at things differently, what are you hoping to see now from the new GM in terms of how they approach the draft, free agency, just all of those things around like how you build a team for not just like the next season, but also maybe the season after that one?
2: Yeah, I think. Earlier days with Rick and, and Zim, we saw some of that. That I think what I'm gonna what I'm gonna preface uh, for this for this answer is um, I want a forward thinking general manager who's going to make decisions not just about the now, but those decisions that impact the future. That's mo- that that's related to money, uh, player development. Um, you know all those all those things that go into into building a team because it's never just about one year. You can't just make decisions based on one year. Yes that it, it can happen where you add a, a key free agent or two that you need, that you need to fill a, a roster position in for that single year, because you can't, you know, maybe the, the draft just doesn't hit in that, in that way. Or, or maybe you just, you know, the money doesn't add up until after the summer hits some, some of those small things like that, I think are okay to do, but in general, the idea shouldn't be, Oh, well, we have a left guard, left guards are biggest hole that, that, that has to be the key to fixing everything else. And, and it, the one the one issue I had with the previous regime as well is, and part of the every other year we got into with the with the playoff scenario was, every time they made the playoffs, all they would do was try to course correct, or they would try to um, stay the same path the following year, expected to expect the same results to happen, doing the same shit that they they did the year before, and then when that would when they'd fall flat in their face that that year doing that um, that idea, they would just hyper focus on the issue the immediate issues they had from that year and use that to fix it and then fix those problems in the next year. So it was always trying to play catch up with themselves. And there was never enough decision-making for future. And also not just about plugging immediate holes, because that's always what got Rick into trouble was I had to make rash decisions and panic, panic trades because I didn't do enough to help from last year. So I have to make that move now. And that's whether it's the first round, whether it's panic trades or those things. And so that's where we saw reaches. Like, we, we literally had a draft in, what was it, 2019, where they drafted uh, center, a tight end, and the, a, a backup running back were their first three draft picks for the Minnesota Vikings in 2019. Now, Irv Smith has turned into, a, like, obviously before the injuries, we hope that, you know, he's he's got a chance to be a good player. Garrett Bradbury was 24 coming out. Um, uh, Alexander Madison was, a, was an older running back coming out of Boise State to be a backup. So, like... Some of those decisions, you would hope, with a new regime, they think a little bit more about. I don't don't just worry about filling some of the immediate needs. Let's think about the actual process and what helps impact winning. And so, um, that's a little bit where I hope some of the new regime can uh, can can do that, or you know, maybe be a little bit more forward thinking, not panic and and think you got to trade a a fifth round pick for a kicker that's never kicked in the regular season or um, a backup tight end a fourth for a backup tight end that um, that was fa- being phased out of his current team and, and hadn't shown anything in four years or um, you know, a, a, a defensive end who wanted out desperately out of Jacksonville. And so you overpay and and then you trade him later. Like there's just a few of those caveats that, and we won't even get into the Sam Bradford thing. Like it's just some of that panic that you would like to like take a step back reset everything that's going on and let's make it an informed decision, not a panic decision.
0: So Eric, David came back. He's asking again, like we, we, we referenced that analytics are used in, but he would maybe like a little bit more detail on like, how might a team leverage analytics to make better decisions in the draft? Like how would, would analytics, you know, be used in the draft to maybe help you make smarter decisions? Are we talking about positional value? Are we talking about uh, adding more picks? Like, I guess, what are some of the ways that you would say uh, would be, like, the sharp way to approach the NFL draft?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, so, like, we, we sell projections to teams that you can build an analytics team to make your own mathematical projections. So, you know, like, using the combine data, using stuff like personality tests using uh, data from, you know, let's say Zebra or PFF or or something like that Um, building, you know, so basically the idea is to take, you know, all this data and try to build a numerical projection for a player. And then if you have that, then you can take all your scouts notes and use the historical scouts notes that, Uh, you have and look at how those have translated so like an easy problem is to say you know scout a is really good at scouting tackles he's terrible at scouting running backs. so like you know you you sort of take all that information and build a sort of weighting system for how much you weigh everybody's inputs right and then you know you take that and and then you build a draft board and then you build a draft board, then you can sort of, if you can build a draft board better than everybody else, then you can find value in the draft because some player, you know, some teams are going to take player 17. When, if you're smart, you make him player 30, then, you know, you're going to get player 18 at pick 25 and like, it's stuff like that where you sort of can build an edge there, uh, you know, adjusting for situations. So like there was a project we did for a team where, can you get us a guard outside zone but isn't isn't all that great at anything else right and all the other teams are going to see that this guard isn't good and he's good for us so maybe we can get a four hundred thousand dollar player or like well let's say a million dollar player for four hundred thousand dollars so the whole league thinks he's four hundred thousand dollars and we think he's a million we're going to save six hundred thousand surplus value like all that kind of stuff you sort of like build an, an, a big sort of system where you can go in and have that consistency. And, like, Belichick always lies. He does a lot of this, right? He's been around for 20 years. Having a system like that is why, like, they never get fooled on at least free agents. They haven't done a great job in the draft, but I think, you know, anybody who follows the Vikings knows that, like, the draft is basically – the draft is pretty noisy, right? So you can have a couple duds in a row, you know, years in a row, even if you're doing a good job with it. Um, but essentially like having a, you know, I hate to use the word, but having like a process that like is consistent and everybody buys into and being able to codify that process. So it's efficient is I think the benefit of having an analytics person in there. Now, like I said before, having a guy like Ryan Poles in there, or even having a guy like an old GM, like let's say like a retread guy, like a Scott Pioli or Thomas Dimitrov, like they might also be. They might also figure that out as well, right? You don't need to be uh, a master's degree in economics to figure out what the right way of being a GM is. You just need to be able to employ the right people. Well, uh, and Justin, I, I don't know that we can just- answer that question yet
0: because uh, I don't know that he's officially been hired. I think we might still be working out some of those details in terms of all of that. So that might be what some of the discussions are still about. Um, Joseph wants to know... Would you grab a quarterback out of uh, out of this class? And this is a question, Eric, that people have been asking up and down in the comments. So I guess I'll just throw it out there like it's the the question that all Vikings fans really want to know is based on the state of the roster and what we're thinking. And you kind of gave us a bit of a hint on it earlier that, like, if we think of Kirk Cousins as the franchise guy, then they need to bring in someone who's going to kind of optimize that, bring in an offensive guy and kind of work around that. But I guess with that not on the table, I guess I'm just get your thoughts, Eric, on what the Vikings maybe will do with Kirk this offseason and then maybe your thoughts on what they should do with Kirk this offseason.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, mentions in the chat that Kwesi is not officially hired. I think that that, I think we talked about that at the beginning. Like, I do think there's a real chance that he is not, the doesn't end up the GM. But I don't necessarily think that's because of him. I think that that's because, of maybe a miscalculation they made in wanting Ryan Poles first. And, and so just to throw that out there, but we're under the assumption that the current favorite is going to end up with the job. We are not saying that he is going to end up with the job. So just to be clear, um, I so where the Vikings are picking now, I think it would depend upon who's there. Um, if all of the quarterbacks are there, I would take a chance on one of them. I would take a chance on – you know willis pickett um guys like that um i would try to trade back as well i know there's not going to be there isn't as big of an appetite to trade up for a quarter for a non-quarterback so you know some team might not offer you a lot um but let's be quite honest guys like this team has a lot of holes and they don't have a ton of draft space um and so you know, I've even left open the the opportunity for them to do some sort of bridge quarterback idea, right? You you know sign a you know Case Keenum or Nick Foles or something like that, and you know try your your hardest to develop Kellen Mond. I think one of the one of the reasons that Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are fired is that neither like Spielman gave Zimmer Kellen Mond, and Zimmer paid Kellen Mond no attention, right? When in reality he was a developmental guy, right? And it takes some actual effort to develop a quarterback. Um, so if they can't find somebody they like, I would, I would put, I would push it down maybe another year and, and draft a, a bunch. Cause this team needs, I mean, this team needs a linebacker. They need like four defensive backs, a couple defensive linemen. They haven't drafted an edge player in the top. They haven't used a first round pick on an edge player since when, since Jared Allen, it's been forever. Like they they need to get a top level athlete there opposite to no Hunter. Um, you know, so, so, I think, you know, if you have proper expectations of the Vikings this year, which is kind of, you know, let the thing breathe a little bit, they can do whatever, you know, they can do whatever in the first round of the draft and I'd be pretty satisfied with it.
0: Ooh, this is a tough one because I don't, I don't think you're looking at the numbers, but uh, where would Kellen Mond go in this year's draft when you, when you look at him versus some of the quarterbacks that are coming out?
1: Uh, I mean, not knowing anything about, like, if we didn't have this year's year as information, probably go round two. Like, he'd be in the mix, right? With, like, the Carson Strongs and those kind of guys. I, you know, um, you know, he was just pushed back a little bit because this class was supposedly a strong class. So. I, I don't know. I, I do think it's funny that Davis Mills had a decent second half of the year because Houston like committed to developing him, and I think Kellen Mond was a much better prospect than well, there were there were decently there were equal prospects or whatever. But Houston got something out of out of Davis Mills because they actually tried versus the Vikings who like you know wanted to beat Detroit more than they wanted to develop a young quarterback.
0: All right, Miles. So Eric there, you know, I I, I like that one. I'm going to let him off the hook. That was, it was very uh, – Eric with the more uh, political answer than we're used to seeing him today when we're given a question <laughs> that involves Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to throw it to you, Miles. What what oh, are you yeah, expecting yeah. to see? What are you expecting to see this offseason with Kirk? What are your thoughts on it? And, like, what would you do given the the, the state of things if you are the new GM? Well, we, we've
2: talked about this uh, a couple of times. For once we once we find out that Rick and, and Zim were gone, but for me, I think I think twenty twenty two needs to be a reset year. I, I've used this example before. I think the Vikings' cap situation is abysmal; it's awful. Like, and the issue that they run into as well is they can't really make themselves competitive by doing even like the extension of Kirk Cousins or even a, an extension of Daniel Hunter. That that in itself could get them quite a bit of money, but it's not going to do them enough to fill the the subsequent holes that they already have. Like I think Eric mentioned it, cornerbacks, linebackers, defensive ends. Um, if you want to talk about right guard, we always talk like right guard. Like there's those those types of things, those holes, the Vikings need filled. And that, that type of stuff is not going to be filled in one year. They're not going to – like this whole de- – like they tried to revamp the defense on the fly last year. It's not going to – it's not like they can't continue down that path. They need to set – they need to give themselves a reset year where they – reset their cap and the best way to do that to free up your cap space would be to trade your 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 quarterback who's going into a contract year um it's not just about like it's never been about kirk not being a good quarterback it's the everything that ties into the fact that kirk is a good quarterback but what he gets paid it to the market and wh- how much that percentage ties up to the rest of the roster it just leaves you no room for errors and kirk isn't good enough to propel everybody around him and to rally everybody around him to take his team up you know above and beyond you know over the over the hump. Kirk's good enough with everything around him. Like if Kirk was on the 49ers right now they they probably were, would be in the same situation they are, right? Because that team is built to do that. The Vikings aren't built to do that. And so I think instead of banging their heads against the wall, trying to run it back and, and do those things, trading Kirk Cousins, get get capital for him. Free up that cap space, maybe sign a couple of younger free agents. Um, the second wave of free agency for, for the future, you know, develop some of those younger um, veteran players and um, use the draft and, and use the additional capital to build to build for the future. Because 2022 just isn't the year. It's not like they don't have enough talent. There isn't enough cap space. There isn't enough everything to make to make it work in 2022. So instead of Like what we've seen with, we know why the old regime did this because they had to, they were doing it for their jobs. They couldn't, they couldn't sacrifice, uh, even though they ended up sacrificing two years, they essentially couldn't sacrifice a year of, well, we can't really do much. uh, So this year is just going to be kind of a mad year, even though they ended up being that way, but they, they made, they made different moves that, that hurt them in the short and long-term. And so instead of trying to make some of those short-term moves, think about it long-term and think about Maybe 2023 is, is the year that they dive in for a quarterback. Maybe that's the year because they maybe the scouts and, and everybody understands that the, that quarterback class is, is is significantly better. And maybe the new regime would be willing to move up to go get one of those guys. Or maybe they're in a position to be closer to get one of those guys than, than, they, than they've been. So um, I'm all about resetting everything, get younger, um, and get younger on defense especially. I think that's the, that's the main area. Offense is looking pretty decent. But long-term, they need a quarterback. They're going to need um, defensive ends, like we talked about quarterback, all that, all that stuff. So if, if that means trading trading or cutting some of the aging players, I'm at a point where I think it's okay. I think those aging players could also benefit from a change of scenery. Maybe they they, wanna, they don't want to be a part of a, quote-unquote, rebuild or reset. Maybe they, they want to go somewhere that, has a, that gives them an opportunity to, to win somewhere because right now in 2022, the Vikings just don't seem to be that team.
0: Eric, uh how far outside Just what are the probabilities we're saying if that that Kellen Mond and the Vikings could be something like the Philadelphia Eagles were this year, where you're you are you you're you're paying a quarterback next to nothing, you have a, a cheap bridge short of background. Hell, we could bring the same one over. You know, I'm 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 team Minchu Mania. Bring him on over, let him hang out. And uh like what are the chances given the pieces that we have, you know, we have you know some weapons Uh, I mean it seems as though three of of five positions on the offensive line are set Mm -hmm. you know two of the positions that need to be figured out are ones that you would generally say like aren't that important when it comes to like the overall success or failure of your team like is it possible that if they went cheap like the Vikings could either see some success next year or potentially just put themselves in a position to you know draft one of the the top quarterbacks
1: yeah, I think there's. it's tough because the Eagles are really good at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, both sides of the ball. I think Jalen Hurts is a little different than Kellen Mond because Jalen Hurts is a runner, is elite at the NFL level. Um, I think as passers they're similar, but uh, Hurts just has that running ability. Jefferson adds a lot because, you know, I think even if you take Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith – That's better than Eagles with, like, Quez Watkins, uh, Jalen Rager, and Devontae Smith to go along with Goddard. So, like, there are some weapons there. The defense for the Eagles is terrible. So, like, the Vikings could get there. Um, It really just depends on Mon. I would say it's probably less than 50%, but it is you do have a a chance there. I I think the thing with the Eagles, which makes it more complicated – the Eagles traded, so I guess not though, because the Vikings are going to get for Cousins more than the Eagles got for Wentz. I think that that's plain. So you're going to have like a first roundish pick for Cousins possibly in the future, and you know the Eagles traded back, so they also they have three first round picks this year. They're not as good as they were, uh, you know, possibly early in the season when. Uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Colts are both struggling, but they're so pretty, it's so pretty good to have those picks. Um, that allowed the Eagles to sort of play through a season without tanking, without feeling bad because essentially, you still have all the capital if you really want to go up and get somebody. So um, yeah, I mean, that that's in their purview. They have to hire well. Um, that being said, no one thought Sirianni was a good hire, right? So um it, it's a very interesting question. I think, I think that the the next head coach is going to have to take an actual effort in developing Mond because I think Mond has ability. I just don't know um, if I, I. I honestly think Zimmer and Kubiak were so worried about winning the next game every single week this year they didn't give. I mean, they honestly didn't give a shit about him, and it, and it sucks because like you just wait, and, you know, burn a third round pick basically. If you if you know, in, in, with respect to your regime, you absolutely did, and you kind of screwed over the other regime with this.
2: They did that All across right. the board in the third round too, Eric.
1: Yeah, Wyatt Davis, like I mean Yeah, and and that was yep. always I mean, that was always the issue with the Vikings this year, right? Was a fundamental misunderstanding of how good you were. Right. And I think yeah. as much as people want to label me as like a downer or whatever, um, A, I was right. They were eight and nine. Um, uh, Let's never, let's never. If if anybody from Vikings territory is listening, let's never forget that I was right. But also, if you can't, if you misunderstand who your team actually is, then you end up with that shit, right? You end up with thinking you're a playoff team and then losing a year of developmental and cheap years for players like Wyatt Davis and players like Kellen Mond. Um, because you you don't get who you are you don't understand who you are and you know that's why as much as being negative can uh can can be like you know nails on a chalkboard you do have to you do have to properly evaluate who you are because that that dictates how you develop players and things like that and and the vikings sort of you know they they were you know the phrase is penny rich pound poor this year
0: there it is that's it. I heard the, I heard the beep in the background. We know that, uh, these are busy <laughs> nights for, for Eric. So it's, uh, time to, to wrap this one up. Uh, before we go, I want to say thank you to everybody who is in here, leaving comments for us. We love all of y'all. Keep coming through. Keep the conversation going. Much appreciated. If you haven't already hit the like button, subscribe. We will be here all week, all off season. And, we love chatting with all of y'all. With that said, producer Dave, where you at? Come on through. Talk to the folks. Tell them what's coming up next. Hey, we we appreciate
2: everybody. Yes, what we have next is sorry if my audio is bad, it's my microphone's not showing up.
1: What we have next is tomorrow night, Vikings Happy Hour, with special guest Phil Mackey. And we'll be discussing whether Quisi Aldofo Menza is truly our new is, GM, Dave. or not. So, it should be wild. Well, alright
0: then. Dave, play the music. Thanks
1: for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skol, everybody!